Welcome to the Scientist Lab Talk, a special edition podcast produced by the Scientist Creative Services team, where we explore topics at the leading edge of innovative research. This episode is brought to you by Perkin Elmer, a leading provider of end-to-end solutions that help scientists, researchers, and clinicians better diagnose disease and discover new and more personalized drugs. They deliver solutions that accelerate workflows, provide actionable insights, and support improved decision-making. The brain's intractable nature makes neurodegenerative disorders challenging to study, but modern assays and technologies give scientists a fresh look at this complex organ. In this episode, Nikki Spodge from the Scientist Creative Services team spoke with Erdem Tungany, a professor in the Institute of Physical Biology at Heinrich Heine University Dusseldorf, about technologies driving modern neuroscience research and his own work exploring the link between ischemic stroke and Parkinson's disease. As life expectancies rise, more people live long enough to experience dementia and other detrimental neurological conditions. Chances are that most of us know at least one person who is afflicted with a neurodegenerative disorder, making research into these areas more important than ever. Erdem Tangune first became interested in science as a child by watching Star Trek. Later in life, his research path took him from studying viruses to prions to protein misfolding in neurodegenerative disorders including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's diseases. Certain proteins in the nervous system aggregate when misfolded, leading to neuronal damage and loss, which in turn leads to symptoms. In Parkinson's disease, the protein of interest is alpha-synuclein. Primarily found in neural tissue, it regulates synaptic vesicle trafficking and neurotransmitter release, making it essential for normal development. However, it is a disordered protein lacking stable 3D structures, which contributes to its pathogenic, aggregative nature. It doesn't have alpha helices or beta sheets when it's in the cytosol, but when it binds to membranes, the N-terminus forms alpha helices, but the C-terminus is still unfolded. Certain circumstances can cause it to form oligomers and then to form fibrils. This can be induced by overexpression, for example. So some patients have genetic duplications and triplications of the alpha-synuclein gene. So if it's crowded in the cell, it has a propensity to aggregate. When it's mutated, it also causes aggregation. But if you don't have a genetic predisposition, it can happen spontaneously maybe. Once you have these aggregates, they start to behave like prions. These aggregates can move from one cell to a neighboring cell, probably by transsynaptic transport. Once a minute amount of these seeds, a misfolded form of these aggregates, gets into a new cell, it may bind the native form of the protein, which is unfolded, and then it induces its own aggregated conformation onto the monomer. So these fibrils grow by adding monomers to one end to the other end. When they reach a certain length, they probably break apart, and then there are more ends where these monomers can bind to. So this is an exponential process. Moving from neuron to neuron, these alpha-synuclein aggregates spread throughout the brain. Damage to dopaminergic neurons, in particular, contribute to Parkinson's disease. If damaged neurons no longer release dopamine, an individual will develop a tremor, a hallmark symptom of the disorder. Temgune divides Parkinson's disease into two groups, disease that begins in the brain and disease that originates in the enteric nervous system of the gastrointestinal tract. He showed that alpha-synuclein aggregates can move into the central nervous system from the enteric nervous system 
through the vagus nerve. While the link between the gut and the brain may seem surprising, one of the early indicators of Parkinson's disease is constipation, a symptom often only appreciated in retrospect. Researchers are actively studying this connection, and some have shown that bacterial gastrointestinal infections increase the risk of neurological conditions, including Parkinson's disease. It's a symbiosis between us and them, which has developed over thousands of years, and we can't live without them. If there is bad bacteria, this may cause some of the proteins that are involved in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease to misfold and aggregate. There are really many, many neurons in our body that make up the enteric nervous system. And when alpha-snuclein, for example, misfolds in the enteric nervous system, it can propagate to the brain and may cause that dysbiosis, inflammation reactions, and so on. Another up-and-coming area of neuroscience research is creating vaccines against the causative agents of neurodegenerative disorders. Once thought only a solution for infectious disease prevention, Tom Gunay is among the scientists testing vaccines that turn the immune system's attention toward the aggregated proteins causing these brain disorders. Misfolded alpha-synuclein, for example, adopts a conformation that is foreign to the body, so vaccination against that form of the protein could spur the immune system into action destroying virulent proteins before they can damage neurons. Diagnosing and tracking neurodegeneration is another area of intense research in Tamgunay's laboratory. Identifying reliable, informative, and accessible biomarkers of disease will help scientists understand these disorders and treat them more effectively. Most patients are only diagnosed when they show symptoms, and this is usually too late for any type of treatment or very late, so a lot of the Clinical trials that are done in patients with symptoms fail. It's very important to identify patients or potential patients early enough. Diagnostics for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's in the past have been based on PET tracers, for example. And that's, of course, expensive and you have to inject radioactive dyes. It would be really good to have a cheap laboratory test as a diagnostic marker where a clinician could just take a blood sample or a urine sample or whatever, send it into the lab and then have it tested. There are CSF-based tests that work quite good, but then taking a CSF sample is very painful for patients. So now the field is moving towards blood-based markers from plasma and serum, and that holds a lot of promise. What we're also missing are biomarkers that we could employ during clinical trials to see if a treatment is lowering the amount of alpha-synuclein aggregates or amyloid beta or tau in the brain and in blood. To detect potential biomarkers in hallmarks of neurodegenerative diseases, such as misfolded protein aggregation, researchers turn to immunoassays that bind to analytes of interest. ELISA kits that detect proteins such as alpha-synuclein in brain homogenates are staples of neuroscience research. Some researchers are upgrading their traditional ELISAs by using immunoassay technologies such as alpha-LISA, a sensitive, no-wash, bead-based alternative that saves time and requires only small sample volumes. To track neuron loss and neuroinflammation, researchers perform immunohistochemical staining and immunofluorescence assays on tissue sections. Additionally, modern technology allows neuroscientists to assess aggregates like never before. For example, homogeneous time-resolved fluorescence, or HTRF, based on FRET, fluorescence resonance energy transfer, is a highly sensitive no-wash assay that can detect alpha-synuclein aggregates. Using two different alpha-synuclein targeting antibodies, 
one with a donor fluorophore and the other with an acceptor, they transfer energy to each other and emit a signal when brought into close proximity as aggregates form. We also have cell assays where you can basically express alpha-synuclein, which is YFP-tagged in a HEC293T cell line. These cells are diffusely yellow, and when you add aggregates on these cells, it induces aggregation. So the diffuse YFP bound to alpha-synuclein in the cell starts to form foci, which are really very bright single dots that you see under the microscope. And we have automated this, so we can also do this uh, on a 384 well format. We're using it constantly to screen for compounds that inhibit alpha-synuclein aggregation. But it can also be used to quantitatively assess uh, the amount of alpha-synuclein aggregates in brain homogenate. There is also another assay that originated in the prion fields called real-time quaking-induced conversion assay, where you have a lot of alpha-synuclein monomer and you can add really minute amounts of aggregates, which may be in body fluids, for example, in saliva or in brain homogenate, then you can amplify these aggregates. It's like a PCR reaction for DNA. This is the protein equivalent. We use a dye that binds to aggregates, and we can actually record how many aggregates we have in a well. Another technique becoming essential for neurodegeneration research is cryogenic electron microscopy. Cryo-EM gives neuroscientists a unique look at the various ways proteins aggregate, allowing them to resolve these large, complex structures. With a more precise idea of what amyloid beta or alpha-synuclein fibrils look like and where drug candidates bind to the aggregates, researchers can discover new therapeutics in a more thoughtful and knowledgeable way. Cryo-EM helped us a lot to understand the structure of protein aggregates. We're using these structures and docking algorithms to screen millions of compounds for their binding ability to do these fibrils. Now we are modeling how stable these interactions are. And the next step will be to screen the compounds that are strong binders in, in cell culture assays and then later in mice. I think AI is really the future for everybody in science. AlphaFold predicts protein structure. That's been really amazing. The next step is to use AI to actually identify small molecules that can bind to other molecules and protein aggregates as a means of drug development. We want to use AI to predict which compounds will be good binders and good drugs against neurodegenerative diseases. Most Parkinson's disease cases are sporadic, meaning that they do not have a clear cause. Temgune wondered if he could find a trigger of alpha-synuclein aggregation that explained these cases. Prior epidemiologic studies suggested that there may be a link between Parkinson's disease and ischemic stroke, which occurs when a blood clot blocks blood flow to the brain. To further explore this idea, Temgune and his team induced mild strokes in mice that expressed a mutant form of human alpha-synuclein. Normally, these mice live long and healthy lives in the laboratory. Tom Gunay tracked the mice for more than a year after stroke and assessed their neurological symptoms. Parkinson's disease patients become unstable when they walk, so they have motor symptoms. We're using an assay here in mice that assesses that. The mouse is put on a rapidly turning wheel, and then we measure how long they can stay on this wheel. We saw that 
at 90 days after surgery, they were still fine. But after 180 days, they started to uh, fall down earlier than the control mice. This got worse at 360 days. So there were some late motor symptoms. This hadn't really anything to do with artery occlusion that we induced early on. These are symptoms that developed very late. We saw that after the stroke, that they had lost neurons, but there was some type of regeneration. They improved up to 180 days after the stroke, but then suddenly at 360 days, they started to lose neurons again. This was a second indication that something was happening in these mice. At this late time point, Temgune found that in addition to neurons near the stroke site, some dopaminergic neurons disappeared from the midbrain. The researchers next assessed brain inflammation over time by tracking astrogliosis and microgliosis, conditions describing the increase in reactive forms of astrocytes and microglia, which indicates trauma caused by stroke and neuron degeneration. Similar to the motor symptoms and neuron loss, the researchers discovered a biphasic inflammatory response in the brain that appeared early on after the stroke and resolved itself only to appear months later. Over time, the researchers observed inflammation in the opposite brain hemisphere of the ischemic stroke, which suggested that the late-phase brain damage could spread. We tried to figure out, okay, what is causing this? We thought that this may be aggregation of alpha-synuclein, but we saw that initially the alpha-synuclein protein levels were reduced after stroke and up to 180 days, but after that, it increased again. We used an assay that would help us to determine the amount of aggregated alpha-synuclein in the brain. And we saw that after 14 days, it started to constantly rise up to 360 days. So the stroke we had induced in these animals, it also induced aggregation of alpha-synuclein. Then we looked at other areas of the brain and we saw that we we definitely had deposits of pathologic misfolded alpha-synuclein in the brain. This aggregation of alpha-synuclein continues and it spreads from cell to cell, in the end, you have something like Parkinson's disease. There are many people who have stroke, even subclinical stroke, that they are not aware of. We think that this may explain uh, the origin of some of the sporadic Parkinson's disease cases. While Tamgane performed his study in mice, his findings support the current epidemiological data linking stroke and Parkinson's disease in humans. In the future, he hopes to repeat his experiments and observe aggregation in wild-type mice that have a normal copy of alpha-synuclein rather than the mutated version. Additionally, Temgune said that further studies in humans monitoring stroke patients years after their ischemia for signs of Parkinson's disease would further strengthen this evidence and help guide diagnostics and treatment development. The sad thing about neurodegenerative diseases is we don't have any treatments. I mean, we have symptomatic treatments, but it doesn't treat the core of the disease. It doesn't make the aggregates go away. Once we have treatments that make aggregates disappear or stop aggregates from spreading in our body, this could have high importance. If you identify a stroke patient and you know this person could develop Parkinson's disease, you could give the person medicines against alpha-synuclein aggregation, just a precaution. But we're not there yet. Thank you for listening to The Scientist Lab Talk. This episode was produced by the Creative Services team for The Scientist and narrated by Nikki Spodge. Thanks again to our sponsor, Perkin Elmer. 
To keep up to date with this podcast, follow The Scientist on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to our podcast channel wherever you get your podcasts.